I want to talk to you this morning about restoring worship, the chaotic culture, and the perils of the religious system. So while you're turning there, I want to read something to you, and I just want you to pay close attention to this. We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence. Now when God cries, seek my face, there are no men who cry back, your face, O God, will I seek. This is not in Romans. I'm just reading this. Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christians who can appreciate or experience the true life of the Spirit. The words, be still and know that I am God, mean very little to the modern believer. Let us beware, lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only in kneeling before visible objects in adoration. And that civilized peoples are therefore free from it. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are not worthy of God. It begins in the mind and may be present where no overt act of worship has even taken place. The idolater simply imagines things about God and acts if they were true. Thou thoughtest, said the Lord to the wicked man in the Psalms, That I was altogether such a one as yourself. Surely this must be a serious affront to the most high God. To admit that there is one who lies beyond us. Who exists outside of all of our categories. Because you will not box him in. Who will not be dismissed with a name. Who will not appear before our bar of reason. Nor submit to our curious inquiries. Is to admit that we are wholly at the mercy. Of a being. Who is deserving of our utmost attention. And fear. Therefore. Man has deduced. Rather foolishly. To somehow change this God of awesome wonder into a creature he can somehow manage. Or at least man has convinced himself of such a God. But the truth be known, God remains unchanged and unchallenged by the dwarfed reasoning of a creature from the dirt. The dirt that speaks called man. God laughs in the heavens at the boastful creature from the dirt and all of his strategies. Sooner an ant overthrow China as all of the men on earth could overthrow the high and lofty God. He eludes us for he is everywhere while he is nowhere. For where has to do with matter and space. And God is independent of both. He is unaffected by time or motion. 
is wholly self-dependent and owes nothing to the worlds that his hands have made. So were every man on earth to become an atheist, it could not affect God in any way. He is what he is in himself without regard to any other thing. To believe in him adds nothing to his perfections. And to doubt him takes nothing away. And for this lowly understanding of God, we are now paying a heavy price in the secularization of our religion and the decay of our culture. Romans chapter 1 addresses this. And I'm drawn to this chapter in a desire and in a burden to somehow save the culture from the destruction that it is in. I believe that we are the children of the light and we are the salt of the earth. And there is coming a day when the night has fallen and no man can work. But this is not the day. Because we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth. But it seems as though Christians are somewhat struggling to find a way to answer the cry of this culture. A woke culture. A culture that will aggressively attack you. Attack your doctrines of faith. Attack your biblical beliefs. And therefore Christians out of fear... Out of confusion and out of just a lack of clarity are not doing much because they don't even know how to begin. But I do believe there is an answer. And I believe the answer is the appropriate worship of God. I believe the answer is that once again by the Holy Spirit, the high and lofty God is brought back into view. And we shudder before him. We even tremble and fear before him. And need I remind you. That not just any disciple. But the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple who found it very natural. To even recline upon Jesus when he was on earth. Met him in his glorified state. And fell as dead at his feet. This God is not to be trifled with. And you may be frustrated with the way that he manages life. Your life. Creation. And our present day. But I don't recollect God ever asking your opinion. Or mine. He knows what he's doing and he knows what he's going to do. And you're either for him or you are against him. And a large number of the modern church today seems to be against him. For they have fabricated a God in their mind to call it the God of Christianity. But this is not the God of Christianity. So I would say that the hope of our generation and the hope of our, hope of our culture Is that there begins to be a personal revival of worship in the hearts of individual Christians. Because you cannot dictate that on a massive scale. But if one man or woman, boy or girl, could have a glimpse of the high and lofty God. 
Their whole life would be changed. A boldness would come over them. And an uncompromised fierceness would be in them to proclaim without shame the gospel of Jesus Christ in power. And that is what's needed. Because there's no church that can infuse you with that kind of boldness. There's no course, no class, no seminary that can give you the courage. And honestly, you can only speak of what you've seen touched and handled. And very few have seen touched or handled this God who today wants to be seen, touched, and handled. But we don't have time for him. So I come to you in Romans chapter 1, and I want you to read this text with me. And I'm going to begin in verse 16, because I hope the Holy Spirit will show us the importance of this towards the end of this message. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That is very important because Paul is about to write regarding the significant corruption that is in man and in society. But man in this corruption is not without hope. But the only hope is the gospel of God. That reveals a righteousness which comes by faith. That's the only hope. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. This is an important verse. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. I would tie that back to verses 16 and 17 in regards to modern day Christians. I have watched Christians heavy. I have watched Christians shrouded in a veil of depression and despair. I have watched Christians and it seems as though the only testimony that they ever have is that I'm in trouble, I'm in a battle, I am concerned, I am depressed, I am this, I am that. Very little about victory, very little about triumph, very little about the glorious work that God is doing in my life. And I'm so happy and I'm so joyful and I'm so thankful. That is so rare today. And I believe the reason that is rare today Is because when we knew God, we didn't glorify him as God and we weren't thankful. And I watched those same Christians with the shroud of darkness and despair and heaviness upon their lives. Praying often. Wailing often. Crying often about their position in life. But not thanking and glorifying God. And this passage of scripture says very clearly... 
That the darkness of mind and the darkness of heart is not because of a lack of prayer. It's not because of a lack of crying. It is from a lack of thanksgiving and glorifying God. Which is praise and worship. You understand that? So dear Christian who seems to have no testimony but one constant battle after another. One seeming season of depression into another season of depression. I call you out of it through a biblical means of thanksgiving and glorifying God. And only then when you come out of that and your mind is no longer dark and your heart is no longer dark and you have light, will you be of any help To the culture. Darkness shining upon darkness makes nothing bright. So please understand that. It says in verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Now listen. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. Which is why I read what I did a moment ago. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Now don't think that that does not go on in the minds of Christians today. I would assume that you do not have an idol in your house. I will assume that you don't have a statue in your home that you bow to. I assume that you don't have these kinds of things that you hope protect you. But I don't know how many times I've heard modern day believers charge and accuse God of things and say things of this manner. Well, if I were God, you have just taken the uncorruptible God and you've made him like you. And I thank God he's none of us. And I thank God he's not like us. There wouldn't be a human on the planet but you. If you were the God. And so God gave them up. Now listen to this. God. Brother Clendenin preaches a great message called the. the, I think it's called the great give up of God. You can find it. You ought to listen to it. But it says. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Think about our culture today. Immorality. Sexual confusion. Gender confusion. Compromise. Theft. Darkness. Hatred. Gossip. Slander. Truth breakers. Covenant breakers. Evil. Think about that in light of this. God, in verse 24, gave them up. Who's the them? Those those who changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man or beast or creeping things. And he gave them up to uncleanness through lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. That is the fundamental problem. When a generation 
worships and serves the creature more than the creator. They changed him in their minds from who he, but they can't change him. But in their minds, they changed him from who he is to what they want him to be like. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. We're talking about homosexuality. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. It's not natural. But it is the result of a people and a generation that has changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, changed His truth, and begins to worship the creature more than the Creator. And it is rampant in our culture today, worldwide. Worldwide. And they do that which is not seemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Receiving in themselves whatever, AIDS, viruses, sexually transmitted diseases. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. How many people have you met in addiction wish that they weren't? It's not convenient now. And it's not what they intended to be in when they first started. Filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. How do you save a society like that? How do you rescue people that are in that condition? Because, beloved, I have to tell you, this is the world we live in. And if we want to reach the harvest for Jesus Christ, how do we do it? How do we go about this? What, what is it that is of preeminent importance to us in order that we have the, the moral authority and power to be able to go into a world that is like this, that has been given up by God, that has been given over to a reprobate mind? That is given up to vileness and vile affections and confusion. And the, the, the ones that are foolish are claiming that they're the ones who are wise. And the ones that are actually wise, they're professing they're the fools. How do you reach that culture? How do you reach into the people's lives so that you can save them? And I believe that it has to do with worship. That somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, our worship of God is restored. Our understanding of God, the loftiness of God, the glory of God, the uncorruptible God, the majesty of God, the sovereign God, the omnipotent God, the God of all wisdom, the God that is everywhere, the God that is unchanging, holds his right place in my affections and in my spirit and in my heart and in my thoughts that I think highly of him. And he is to be feared as well as to be worshipped and to be reverenced and to be loved. 
and to be approached. And so this is what I believe is necessary. And I believe for worship to be what it is, there has to be a people who will begin to give thanks to God and to glorify Him. Because a lack of that brings vanity to the mind and darkness to the heart. And vanity to the mind is just practically every thought is a negative thought. Every thought is a doomsday thought. Every thought is a bad thought. Everything's bad. Every report's bad. And a darkened heart is a heart that has no hope. A heart that has no escape. A heart that is filled with despair. A heart that is filled with depression. And listen, beloved... I'm talking about some of you that are sitting there this morning. You know God can do anything. You do not believe him to do anything for you. That's a darkened heart. And the way out of that is to begin to glorify God and to give him thanks. And when we begin to glorify God, which is praise and thanksgiving, which is to give God thanks, which he has prescribed in the Old Testament, the New Testament in heaven, then light begins to come into your heart and reasoning and and understanding and positive things become in your mind about God. And now you can have the revelation of God in your life by the Holy Spirit because you're not left to your emotions and the tragedies of this world. You're seeing through it and you're seeing above it by God. And I don't know for the life of me why Christians who are oppressed and saddened and discouraged will not give him praise. I do not understand that for the life of me. Can it be that simple? You better believe it. It has to be that simple for us to be able to have any hope. So I want to say to you this morning that the problem today is a heart problem. That's the real problem of our culture and our world. It is a heart problem. The Bible says that men have left Their first love. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 2, Jesus says that to his church. That you're full of works, but you've left your first love. And I ask you that this morning. Have you left your first love? Is your worship of God truly the worship of God? I'm not asking if you worship. I'm asking if you're worshiping the true God. I'm asking if you're worshiping the true God in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Satan does not need you to be an atheist. Satan does not need you to hate God. Satan is content if he can just get you to like him. Like God. That's okay with me. Because the commandment is to love him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And our churches are filled with people who like God, but they don't love God. And the evidence of that is everywhere. Because look, if there comes a choice between God or work, or God or sports, or God or my children, God's going to take second every time. And until God is put back in his place where he deserves to be, will we be able to call this culture back to God And they can be free and they can be liberated. And so Satan doesn't need us to be atheists or agnostics. He doesn't need us to hate God. Just not love him. And that's why Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? More than these things. And I ask you that this morning because you're church people. We love the Bible. We love worship. We love praise music. We love nice church buildings. We love the air conditioner. We love the heaters. I saw a picture on Facebook it was, it was, I don't, had to be up north, you know, a football game and you just, it was like a blizzard, you know, and, and there was a picture of a man and his wife, I guess his wife, they're sitting on these metal stadium seats 
covered in snow, bundled over with everything, watching a football. Who would go to church like that? Who would do that? I mean, think about it. That's what we love. We love friendships. We love fellowships. We love the power of God. We love the comfort of God. We love the peace of God. We love the joy of God. We love the God who will work everything out for me. We love the God who will make a way for me when there is no way. We love a God who is going to comfort us. But do we love God? Do we love Him? When was the last time you were so hungry for God that you couldn't eat for three days? When was the last time you were so hungry for God, you couldn't eat for two days? A day. When was the last time you were so hungry for God, you missed breakfast? Just being real. I mean, think about it in your life. People fall in love. You've heard their stories. Some of you have told the stories. You've fallen in love. You can't sleep at night. You're in love with somebody. You, you want to spend the whole night talking to them. You're up till four in the morning talking to them. You got to get up at six to go to work. And somehow you're going in this strength and power and high because you're in love. And you even forget about eating sometimes. Because you're so excited about that person. What, what about God? Where's the love of God like that? When was the last time you craved the fellowship of God so much that you couldn't wait to get away from everybody and just get into your prayer closet and say, Oh God, my Father, I've missed you. How I've missed you. I love the people. I love the crowds. I love the fellowship, but I love you more. Oh God, how I've longed for you. It's a heart matter. That's what it is. It's a, it's a matter of the heart and the condition of the heart that it loves God and that's why there's a danger when we worship other gods. There's a danger when we change this God who is into a God who is not. And we worship that God who is not as though that God is God. That becomes extremely dangerous. Worshiping false gods and worshiping idols. And, and, and I'm going to explain this to you today because I don't think people really understand the danger of false God worship. And, and what the possibilities of that is. But I ask you this because worship is the way you attract spiritual beings. It's the way that you call spiritual beings to yourself. And according to Romans chapter 1, the only thing that you have to do to attract Satan is just don't glorify God and thank God. That's the only thing you have to do. You can still have your creed, you can still have your doctrines, you can still have a prayer life and all of that, but just don't glorify Him and thank Him. And you're going to have an absence of God's light and God's hope in your mind and in your heart. When you worship a false god, you are sharing your affections with a spirit of death. And that spirit of death has a desire to put itself in you. And if the spirit of death can put itself in you, it will eventually manifest itself in the natural world around you. If you worship God, you are attracting the spirit of life. And when you worship God, God comes to you. The spirit of God comes to you and inhabits you and gives you life. And your world begins to manifest that life of the spirit, which is joy and liberty and righteousness and holiness. So it's important who you worship. It's important what you worship. 
And the devil has no problem with you calling the God that you worship Jesus. He has multitudes of Jesus in the New Age movement. He has no problem with that. But is he the Jesus of the Bible? Is your God the biblical God? Is your God revealed from the word of God and, and spoken to you by the spirit of God that gives you such reverence of him and such honor in him? All of this worship is a contest for the heart. If you'll keep your place in Romans 1, I want you to turn with me to Leviticus 19. And I want you to see when God spoke to Moses, to the children of Israel who had lived 400 years in idolatry or a land of idols. And now they were going to the land of Canaan, which is a land of idols. They were inundated with idols, surrounded by idols, everything that was going on in their life. Bless them, Father. I think they wanted to stay. Leviticus nineteen twenty-six. Well, at the end of verse 25 says, I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat anything with the blood. Neither shall you use enchantment or horoscopes. Which is observing the times. You shall not round the corners of your heads. Neither shall you mar the corners of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a whore. Lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits. Fortune tellers. Seances. People want to read your palm. I've seen those people. I've asked them. I said, I'll tell you your future. Neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall rise up before the hoary head and honor. This is respecting those of, that are our elders. And honor the face of the old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. In the worship of God. When God is exalted and worshipped and honored for who he is, you're not going to be getting tattoos and marking up your body and cutting up your body and distorting your humanity that is made in the image of God. But in an occultic way, you have opened the door up to demonic powers and familiar spirits that seek to destroy and mar the image of God in your life. I am the Lord your God. If I am the Lord your God, you're going to honor your elders. You're going to have respect towards those. I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord. your. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm your God. Don't turn to these other things as though they are your God. I am your God. Give yourself to me because worship is very intimate and worship is very spiritual. And what we begin to worship we begin to open our hearts and our lives to those things. And worship is progressive. Mary did not go and pour her ointment of oil out upon Jesus the first time she saw him. 
But in her intimacy with Jesus and the progression of that intimacy with Jesus, there came a point where she loved him so completely and so much, she poured her whole oil out upon him. The Apostle Paul did not say the very first moment he met Jesus Christ, everything I've gained in life I count as dung compared to Jesus Christ. But in the progression of his knowledge of Jesus and love of Jesus, he came to the point in his life where Jesus so arrested him and he so loved the Lord that everything in comparison to Jesus was absolutely worthless. And it's a progression. And so maybe you're at a place of worship in your life right now. But the Holy Spirit wants to take you to deeper intimacy with God. Where God can pour his life into you. And that is why it is so important that you have no other gods before me. That you worship no other gods. Don't change my image into an image of created things. Don't take me, an uncorruptible God, and make me like corruptible creatures and birds and men. And creeping things upon the earth. Don't do that to me because I am high and I am holy. And the moment you distort me, you open yourself up to a spiritual demonic power that will come in my name, but it will not be me. And I will begin, that will begin to produce its life through you. And therefore, because we didn't want to retain the knowledge of God in our minds, because we wanted a God that we could manage, because we wanted a God that we could control, because we wanted a God that we could shake our fist at and fuss at and say, oh God, I don't like the way you're doing this. And we changed that God to make him like a God unto man. That that was our lust and God, because that's what we wanted, gave us that. If you don't want me... And you don't want to worship me. And you want to worship these other things. And you want a God after your own making. Then go to your God. And what is the result of that? Sexual confusion. Gender confusion. Moral confusion. In the world political confusion. Spiritual confusion. That has inundated the world. Everywhere you could possibly imagine. It has inundated the culture. In the streets of Baton Rouge. And what is the thing that can correct it? Somebody for God's sake. Somebody in this room. Have a desire in the Holy Ghost. That would say Holy Spirit. I want to worship the God of the Bible. I want to know him. I want to understand him. I want to reverence him. I want I want to fear before him. I want him to be high and lofty in my mind. I want to crave him. I want him more than I want food. I want him more than I want sleep. I want him more than I want anything else. Oh God, do that to my heart. And that person will become the answer to the culture. That person will become a solution to it. I'll give you this, you know, and you read a lot in Romans 1 about, you know, the immorality and there's homosexuality there. And what's the message that Satan has about homosexuality? It's extinction. That's what Satan wants. I hate the human race. I want it to end. And there's extinction there. And what did Jesus say the Father's looking for? Preachers. Evangelists. Pastors, ministers, musicians, praise teams. No. The Father is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And worship in so many ways. It is a spiritual exchange of life. 
And it comes as the result of responding to the desire of God. And through that exchanging of spiritual life, that's what you reproduce. That's going to be your offspring, if you will. And there's a beautiful picture of this in the New Covenant, New Testament. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And there was a woman at that well he had an appointment with. She didn't know it. But he confronted that woman at the well when she was there in the heat of the day to get water for herself. He said, woman, give me water to drink. And she immediately responded to him and she said, how is it or why would you, a Jewish man, Talk to me, a Samaritan woman. And he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water. And I'd give it to you and you would never thirst again. How can you do this? You have nothing to draw with. Are you greater than Jacob, our father? And Jesus begins a conversation with that woman. But I want you to understand this. Jesus wasn't after the water in Jacob's well. He was after that woman's life. And he was asking that woman. Give me yourself. Give me your life. Give me your essence. And if you knew who I was. You would ask for my life. And in the conversation. Jesus said to her to go get her husband. And she said I don't have a husband. And he said you're right. You've been married five times. And you're living with a man now. She said I think you're a prophet. So here's my question. Our fathers tell us that God is to be worshipped here in this mountain. But the Jews say we are to worship God in Jerusalem in that mountain. Where is God so I can worship him? And somewhere in Judea, God, Jesus, the Messiah, heard The cry for worship. And I have to go through Samaria. For somebody is needing my life. And he went there. And he opened up the fountains of his life for her. And she drank. And she left her water bottles. And she ran back to the city. And she began to tell all the people in it, you've got to come to my Bible study. I've had such a revelation. I've had such an incredible experience with God. You've got to come to my prayer meeting. You've just got, it'll change your life. No, that's what we typically do. But she is in fresh intimacy with God himself. His life is in her. It set her free in a moment. She doesn't need any 12-step program. She's free in a moment. And she goes to the men of her city and she says, Come and see a man. 
And when the church can do that again, when the church can run these streets of Baton Rouge and our schools and our campuses, and we can go and say, come and see a man, then God will help this culture. Because they're not going to be saved by your Bible study or your prayer meeting. They're not going to be saved by what you experienced with God. But the man that saved you is the man that will save them. Come and see a man. And that's what worship is. And the restoring of that worship in our life. God being elevated in our hearts again. The passionate God. The loving God. A God with emotion. And a God with feeling. And a God with desire. Who says to you. I want you. To unashamedly praise me. I want you to openly thank me. And identify yourself as mine. I thrive on that. Wants that intimacy with you. And, and that's what worship is. It is God saying to you, I want you. I want your five marriages. I want your fornication. I want the situation of you living with a man. I want that. I want all of that. I want your water. It's full of mud, full of dirt, full of filth. I want it. Give it to me. That's what I want. And, and then ask me. Ask me and I'll give you my water. It's pure life. Because all those gods that you've been worshiping, that's what they gave you. They gave you five marriages. And now they gave you a shacked up relationship with a man. And what have the gods given you that you've been worshiping? And what does Jesus want to give you? If you knew who it was, you would ask me. And here it is. The angel of the Lord comes to a young teenage girl named Mary. He says, Mary, you are highly favored of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And that holy thing that is born of you shall be the Son of God. It is going to be a miracle. But God by the Spirit is going to put His life in you. And she had to consent. She stood before the angel of the Lord and she said, Be it done unto me according to your word. So you don't have to do anything different. Nothing about your life has to change. You can tell yourself that you worship the true God in all of his splendor and in all of his glory. But just look around at your life and you'll find out who you worship. But worship Him and light comes and joy comes and liberty comes and fresh and pure and holy water comes. He lifts you and He nourishes you 
And the Holy Spirit overshadows you. And the whole world, your whole world, your whole family, your whole workplace, the whole of Baton Rouge, you know what they're needing? They're needing what the Holy Spirit can give birth to in your life. That's what they're needing. Worship is God saying, I want to put my life in you. And I want you to give birth to it, to Baton Rouge, to First New Testament Church. And the life that's in you is the hope of this generation. Nobody else can do it. No church can do it. No seminary can do it. God can do it. And that is why the Father is looking, even today, for those who are worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And the door is open because there's no doubt that if God would have me to speak this message, then He is certainly saying to you, give me your water. Give it to me. And if you know who it is, you'd ask me for water, I'd give it to you. And I'd break everything those devils have done to you. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we